If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. From coast to coast and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Online with Bill Alexander is a guest-driven program where the topics are diverse and entertaining. Laugh and learn while you listen to one of the best hours of online radio around. Online with Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends, call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander on the iTalkNet radio network. As we're broadcasting from coast to coast, border to border, and around the world this evening. And a big thank you to everybody that voted for me as the podcast magazine's first annual top 50 dads in podcasting. And yes, I am a dad and I podcast. So everybody, thank you very much for uh, throwing that vote out there. I really appreciate it. And we are broadcasting from the new studio that is located high atop High Street in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. And uh, hopefully everything goes well as we finally got everything configured after a week of work. And um, I'm really liking it. <laughs> it's actually really nice. I can move my arms now. I wasn't able to do that. I can't even touch wall-to-wall anymore. But anyhow, yours truly, Bill Alexander, with you tonight. Also, some programming notes just for the next few weeks. Um, we have some guests lined up and... Um, the one I'm, I actually have a couple I'm looking forward to is that we have on June 15th, write this down. You want to be here for it. Jack Warren is going to be on the program. You're going to say, who's Jack Warren? He was the camera guy. Are you ready? For Joe Exotic, Tiger King will be on the program on the 15th. He's the one that actually worked on the cable series that brought Joe Exotic to uh, notoriety. So just to let you know, he'll be on here on the 15th. Then we have uh, Larry Harden, who just wrote a book. He's a former DEA agent. He'll be on the program. And another one, we're going back in the time capsule, but we're doing a new interview with him. Years ago, it's been 20 years since I worked at Radio Wonderful in Uniontown. And I did an interview with a gentleman by the name of John Goodman. Now, if you're not familiar with John, no, he's not the actor. If you're not familiar with who John Goodman is, you know who his father is. Dickie Goodman. He's the one that did the novelty records in the 50s and 60s and early 70s. He did like Watergate and he did the Flying Saucer and he did that. John will be back on the program again. I'm looking so forward to it. So we're going to do a 20-year update with him and then next monday on june 8th we have anna frankel duvall an actress from the uk will be joining us on monday night but before we talk to them we have to talk to tonight's guest when the pandemic started i reached out to anybody that was in new york that would be willing to talk to me about the pandemic and the guest that i have tonight volunteered his sister to do it she had no idea who i was from adam and he said, my sister will do it. Let me get in touch with her. So out of the blue, his sister got in touch with me. And I'm talking about Kristen Tunney. Now, to put Kelly on the spot, her brother, we brought him in the program tonight so we can roast him this evening just as bad as we roast Kristen. How are you guys doing this evening? <laughs> great. <You're> great. <laughs> so Kristen... First off, because I'm going to screw it up, so I'm not going to do it. Can you please explain to everybody what you do? Sure. Um, well, I I used to be, um, I guess I still am. You still am, are. A, theat a theatrical stage manager. Okay. So 
the main uh, parts of that job are communicating information between all members of the production team. And then when we get into performances of a live theater piece, calling the show, which okay. means telling everybody what to do and when to do it over headset. Okay. And Kelly, tell the audience what you do. I am a photographer. Uh, I do some of the usual headshots and weddings and stuff like that, but a lot of what I do is photographing for theater departments and theater schools and live performance. So, so I'm sort of tangential to that world as well. So, Kelly, the one question I have for you, what makes a photographer that photos that does weddings different than one that does theatrical performances? Um, well, usually wedding photographers get paid better. <laughs> uh, but... Good point. <laughs> Yep. Um, other, other, other than that, it's, uh, it can, it, some, I don't know, uh, they're, they can be pretty similar. They okay. can be, uh, they can be some, some fun, unpredictable events. Um, but you know, you're always like, whatever you're shooting, at least for me, you're always looking for, for emotion and it's always there in weddings or in theater and in theater people's weddings, especially, which are my favorite. Oh, okay. My favorite things to shoot. So what would you rather do theater performances or weddings? I would rather do theater performances because there's almost always a show the next night, just in case something goes wrong. Ah, that, well, at least you have a backup. That, uh, that, exactly. That, that's exactly. actually good. So whenever I said this, and this it's hard to believe, Kristen, it's been since the beginning of March. March 13th is when PA went into the, uh, into the lockdown, quarantine, self-staying. And I talked to you on that Monday, which would be the 16th. So yes. it has been just over two and a half, about two and a half months, to be honest with you. What have you yes. been doing? Well, well I mean, <laughs> uh, I spent most of that time in New York City in my apartment. Um, and I only recently uh, came back to Pennsylvania. Uh, for the summer. But um, before that, I was quarantined in New York City with my roommates, and we were doing pretty much the same thing as many New Yorkers, staying in our apartment, um, making rare um, trips to the grocery store, wearing masks everywhere we went, um, you know, just really being extremely cautious because of the, the rate of infection there okay. and things like that. Yeah. So... When you weren't running to the grocery store and doing stuff like that, how were you keeping <laughs> yourself busy? Because I was reading some of your posts online, and it, it, it was kind of interesting there for a moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I was really fortunate not to be quarantined entirely alone, because okay. I think that that would have been very difficult for me. Um, so m some of my quarantine activities, uh, we rewatched all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, <laughs> and uh, while we did that, um, my roommates and I all started cross-stitching, which is a crafting activity that we found that we very much enjoy. Um, at the beginning of, of the quarantine, we took a lot of uh, walks outside, but we stopped doing that right around the time that uh, the masks um, became necessary okay. everywhere. Uh, that was pretty much when we stopped like taking long walks. And um, what else? Let's see. I got a Nintendo Switch and I play Animal Crossing, uh, which is a great game. <laughs> it sounds to me um, like everybody took off took up Animal Crossing on the Switch. To be honest with you, because um, I've heard a lot of people say that. I heard it's very addictive. It is a delightful game, and it is a, it's a game about doing chores, which is very satisfying to me. So whenever and the funny the the funny thing and odd thing at the same time, we were talking about Broadway and theater in New York being closed until June seventh. Today yeah. is June first, so in other words, in theory, everything was supposed to open back up this weekend. However, that's not going to happen, is it? No, no, they've moved them. Um, I think the official deadline to September uh, minimum, and uh, a lot of what I've heard is that it's going to be a little bit longer than that. Even. Really, that's really sad. Now, Kelly, you were not in New York. You were in uh, southwestern Pennsylvania. You were in Brownsville. What were you doing during the uh, the whole uh, 
well, well, we were in phase phase red here in the state of Pennsylvania. So what were you dealing with and what were you doing? Uh, well, um, when everything locked down, it was just before the beginning of high school musical season, which is sort of my high season for, for shooting schools, uh, for shooting shows in schools around the area. So I uh, canceled a whole bunch of work and kind of edited uh, the photos that I had for about a week. And then I, I was pretty much out of work because I kind of cleared my plate. Right. Um, but I had uh, happened to buy a house uh, in Brownsville about uh, pretty much one day before everything uh, shut down. So I think I was I was probably one of the last ones to slide under the wire there. And I've just been kind of going going wild doing home renovation stuff to keep me busy, which is uh, fortunate because I probably would have been cross stitching too if I didn't have this. So. <laughs> well, what's what's interesting about it is is if if you you need to follow Kelly because he's been posting his uh, his trials and tribulations on Facebook of what's going on with this house. How old is your house? Uh, my house was built in 1860 in okay. Brownsville, and uh, it it's a nice, cool old brick house. And I'm I'm trying to to renovate it in some sort of historically sensitive way. So my house was built um, was built. Let's see, in 1903, and I know what it was like to get mine habitable again 20 years ago, which was nothing mm-hmm. like what you're dealing with right now. Yeah, it's uh well, it's an interesting, it's an interesting process of, of peeling back the layers of what people thought were, were good ideas. How? <laughs> back in the ten years, twenty years ago, fifty years ago, hundred years ago, you know, how I mean, many, even something that's a hundred years ago isn't isn't original to the house. How many uh, layers of wallpaper did you have to pull off the walls? Uh I have. There are some rooms in there with wallpaper that I have not even touched yet, but one that I did do is the bathroom. And there was a, there was a layer of paneling from, I'm guessing the seventies. There was okay. a layer of, of plaster with, with surely lead paint on it uh, from before then there. And then underneath that, there were uh, three or four layers of wallpaper, I think before we, before I got down to the plaster. That's because so. in our house, when we moved in, um, like I said, actually, it's been 19 years. We moved in a year after my eldest son was born. And we took wallpaper off that were 14 and 15 layers thick. We actually gained square footage mm. to certain rooms in the house because of how much wallpaper we pulled off. Oh, man. I will never pull wallpaper a... off again. <laughs> I have a few rooms where I'm afraid that's going to be the case, and I'm trying to figure out if it will just be easier to knock the walls down and put them back. Well, in some cases, the wallpaper is <laughs> actually holding the wall up in, uh, in, in to let you know. Um, <laughs> I may discover that. <laughs> Because because plaster a, and yep. plaster and lath and most likely it was horsehair plaster when they did yours falls apart mm-hmm, over yep. time so it's it, it's difficult but again I'm sure the wiring was the wiring upgraded when you bought the house from uh, knob and tube to conduit or what um, to well, or what there, in some places it was it was it was partly renovated on some floors uh, to pretty new pretty current wiring um, there's another floor there's two layers of floors in, in the attic and um in the upstairs there is some uh some wiring from i'm guessing like the 60s or the 70s okay. and then in the attic there was still a little bit of, of knob and tube wiring that we're that we're replacing and snipping and so the question the question i asked someone of your age why would you buy a house like that that wasn't already done uh, well, it's much cheaper. Well, yeah, when it's not done. Yeah. Um, so that's number one. Uh, but number two, I mean, I've I've just always wanted to have an old house, and especially in Brownsville too. There's, okay. I mean, you you grow up around old buildings that are kind of being left behind, and I I sort of wanted to at least save one of them. So okay, I'm doing my best for that. So, Kristen, how many pillows have you cross stitched? Oh, well, you see, I'm still on my first cross-stitch because I was a bit over-ambitious in its complexity. Um, it's, it's, I've got about 100 hours in it so far. Holy I'm cow. sure I'll have finished it by the end of 2025. <laughs> when, the, when the pandemic's over, how about that? Um, yep. 
<laughs> so my question, my question is um, actually to both of you. With this, with this happening, with our lives being put on hold, have you learned anything new about yourselves that you may not have known before? Hmm. I mean, I've had some, I've had some deep, deep uh, self-examination about about what I want to do. Okay. Uh, for my career, you know, because it's, I don't know, you, you kind of get caught up in in a rat race in capitalism and all that kind of keeping you busy all the time. And then when it comes screeching to a halt, you kind of have to create your own momentum and find your own purpose. And it, it's interesting where that diverges from what you thought you'd been doing for your passion. So that's been interesting. Kristen, you've been posting some of the, you were posting some of the things that you were thinking about. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. The timing of this for me and in, in my career uh, was really fascinating. Um, I had just come back from being uh, on tour with NYU uh, as part of their audition season for their musical theater program. Um, just a few weeks before this started, I had lined up a job uh, at an off-Broadway theater, which I was really excited about. So I had, I I really had, I felt for the first time, like I had some momentum going in my career. And then um, I earned my equity card and joined the union. We talked about that, you know, there were, there were really some building block, blocks I felt like had fallen in place for me. And to have that all kind of just wiped clean over a matter of, you know, several days was, I mean, I spent, I spent a period of time, I think, really just grieving all of the, the work that I had lost and all of the um, progress that I felt like had, had gone away suddenly um, and out of my control. So I think what I've been working on over the past, you know, I think we're on like day 70 something for yeah. me personally, um, is, is trying to understand why I do this and w when theater comes back, because it will, um, what that will mean for me and how I can make the biggest possible difference, um, with it and through it. So it, it's been a, a lot of self-reflection about my purpose in being in New York and my purpose in being in theater and, and trying to understand what my priorities will be when okay. I'm able to make the art again. I don't know if that answers your question. Actually, but... actually it does because I'm with what I do other than what I'm doing right now, because with the radio and the podcasting and some of the TV work that I do, I also teach. And there was a big disruption in my teaching career three weeks ago because of a program that I've built from day one and put 21 years into the school that I worked at decided they were going to wipe it away and say, we no longer need it, which is very hard. So you go back and you do that thinking about, Oh my goodness, you were supposed to retire in nine years. You thought you were going to be doing the same thing. Were you making a difference? How can I make a difference now? Do they appreciate what I'm doing? Do I change things? Do I make it different? So I do understand where you're coming from a little bit mm -hmm. because it's been an upheaval because we did not know this was going to happen. And if it probably didn't, our lives would have kept moving down that path even further. But now we have to sit back and actually think about what's going on and it is it is a rude awakening ask uh, ask my son he'll tell you that the <laughs> dad was not a happy camper he was he was very <laughs> solemn over a few days because he didn't know how to deal with it and i and i think uh, when we talk about it to other people and realize that we're all in the same boat together it helps us get through it together yeah that, that's definitely been my experience especially being quarantined um for the very for most of this with a, a group of other artists and um theater makers we we would have long conversations about you know what this meant for our careers and what we were learning about ourselves and and how we could do more good and right be happier and um be you know new york is a hard place to be it's a hard place to be a theater maker and it's a hard place just to live. Um, so, and we're all, everyone in my small group, uh, we're not originally New Yorkers. So just, just assessing what the city meant to us when it, when it had changed so dramatically was, was part of that conversation too. So you use, you throw, throw a word in there and I don't think you realized you threw it in there or that I was going to ask you this question, 
but you use that word happy. What does that mean to you? Well, that's a very big question. Um, I think for me, it means a lot of different things. Um, It means being in the rehearsal room with other people making a piece of art and feeling that moment when everything connects. Okay. When, and, and finding moments like that in the future of my career. It means, um, I was talking uh, to some other people about this recently and we were trying to figure out, you know, in our careers, what, what were the, what were the moments that you felt certain that you were where you were supposed to be and um, doing what you were supposed to do. And you just felt, Right. And uh, one of those moments for me is the summer at the state program um, at the state theater in Uniontown is is a program that we started in 2014. And the first show that we did was Hairspray the Musical. Yes. Um, a show with resounding themes even to today, I think. And oh, uh, yeah, I didn't think about that, but you're right. I I remember standing in the back of that theater on opening night and I was I've I've never been quite so physically, I think, and emotionally and mentally exhausted as I was that summer um, doing that show and putting up our first big production at the theater. It had been an extremely uh, exhausting, but, you know, um, comprehensive tech week. We had gotten to where we needed to go and just standing there in the back of that theater and seeing our entire community um, who was at that show stand up at the end and applaud. I, I felt so connected to the story that we were telling and the cast on stage and the audience who, who you could tell were so stunned and excited to be part of the energy that Mm -hmm. was in that room at that moment. And I think creating more moments like that and and feeling that connected to to everyone is is what's magic about live theater and that's what I'm always you know that's the high I'm always searching right. for in my career um unfortunately I didn't see hairspray the first one I went was there at the state was gypsy and then um, everything after that because of my son and mm-hmm. one of these years I'm going to audition so I'm just letting you know now <laughs> So I've been telling well, I've been telling him that for the last two years. I because I used to do musicals when I was in high school in my early days of college, but I graduated from high school in 1984. So you can do the math. Um, anyhow, uh, <laughs> it's been a long time. So Kelly, you never left. You were here. What was it like? I was. What was it like in in Brownsville during a quarantine where you're stayed at home, you can't go anywhere or you could only go from point A to point B. Now I know you have a studio in Brownsville and you were working on the house. Were you working back and forth or did you just stay put? Um, I pretty, well, I mean, I pretty much stayed put. Like I usually, usually the, the traveling that I would do would be for like for work. So I, I didn't have the opportunity to to take pictures of all of the shows that I planned to. And I had planned to take a couple of trips to New York because there are some schools up there that I do work for. Oh, really? And of course, everything was canceled there. Yeah. Um, there's a, a school in New Jersey that I, that I do um, like they have cabarets and like okay. year end year end showcases and stuff like that. Um, so that was, that was all canceled. Um as far as as just being a person in the area it didn't it didn't seem tremendously different um people i mean people around here hadn't really i i don't think been been harshly affected by it yet and so it was kind of weird to have you know Kristen in one ear talking about what she was experiencing right. while other people around here were not experiencing anything and being like oh it's you know it's it's the flu it's a hoax it's whatever and so right. Sort of, a, I, I felt like I was severely overreacting to everything because, I mean, my family, my family had had quarantined like as soon as the lockdown happened and, and everything like that. But I was, there were plenty of people who it, it took a while for them, I guess, to sink in. And and I think that was what I was going for because Kristen's in a major metropolitan area, and you mm-hmm. are in 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 small small rural America. 
And again, it affected us differently here than it did where she was. And then the big mm-hmm. thing going on now in New York, Kristen, I don't know how they dealt with it here, but in, in Pennsylvania um, and in other states, I don't know either, but we were worried about the codes. We were in code red. We were in code yellow. We are mm. going into code green. And what does that mean? Um, I mean, there was a fight for where we're at in southwestern PA because we didn't go code yellow or we didn't go into from red to yellow quickly because of a county that's almost 100 100 miles away from us and yet we're waiting for it we're waiting for it and then we finally get it and then we realize well nothing's going to change too much so Kristen in New York when they were doing their their quarantining did they have a code system you know I I left before we reached even the first phase of, of reopening in New York city. Um, so that would have been, I, I left the city on May, uh, 19th, I believe it was. Um, and I, I don't know what phase they're in, in terms of reopening right now. But to my knowledge, none of my friends who like work in restaurants are even close to to, to starting back up. I, I do have a friend who's a, a bartender, and she was going in for safety training this past week. Okay. Now, um, yeah. Now I heard a story. Now tell me if this is true, you two, because I heard there was a covert operation just to get you out of New York, Kristen. Is that true? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I was not eager to use public transportation, okay. um, given everything that is happening in the world. Uh, so I had talked to um, my dad and my brother about when it, when I decided to head out, um, if it would be possible for them to bring me um, my own car so that I wouldn't have to ride in the car with them because we were going to try um, and do a full two weeks of me quarantining separately from my family just on the off chance that I'm an asymptomatic carrier or something like that and right. because I was coming from a place with, with um, such a high um, instance of, of coronavirus. So um, my dad and my brother, the day before I, I was planning to leave, my, they brought two cars up to New York city, um, my car and, uh, a second car so that they could leave my car for me to drive home in and go back to Pennsylvania in their two cars. And I live, it's approximately a six and a half hour drive okay. from where I live, um, in New York to where I live in PA. Cause I heard, and now again, this may have been convoluted that like the car was left running in front of the house for you to get in the car to leave <laughs> because, <laughs> That's a slight over-exaggeration. <laughs> yes. I don't know where these stories have come from. Um, I were hand gestures. I tucked in the mold. Because I heard that. I'm going, oh, that's going to be a really cool stu- story. We can make a movie. Um, <laughs> now, I, it has to, to be one of those based on true event stories. Because, I, I, just, yeah. I just, I heard that and I'm going, that's just funny. And I, I, I have a feeling the person was pulling my leg when they told me that. But I had, <laughs> I had to bring that up because knowing your t- you two's sense of humor, I could see you doing that. Um, <laughs> I, I really could that that it was being done for that. But uh, no, I, I was just kind of curious. We got to step away for a brief moment to tell everybody where we're at. And we'll be right back with uh, Kelly and Kristen Tunney here online with yours truly. Bill Alexander. Online with Bill Alexander is on WMCK.FM McKeesport. Mixtape Radio International at MTRI.co.uk. 991RadioRehoboth.com. Awakens.eu, SteelFM.org, and 107.5 FM, WLDJ, Newcastle. A big thanks to a friend of mine, Gary Miller. We called him The Voice uh, for doing that because it makes it so difficult for me to say them, and I always forget them when I do it. Anyhow, on the phone line right now, we have Kelly and Kristen Tunney, brother and sister. Um, 
both from uh, Brownsville, Pennsylvania. One has been in New York for uh, doing her career. That's Kristen. And then Kelly is a photographer in southwestern Pennsylvania. Now, there is a post, Kristen, on your Facebook page from May 11th. It says, about to start putting fake activities into my calendar to trick my brain. Anybody want me to start sending daily calls about when they should move from bedroom to couch to kitchen and back? If you subscribe, I'd be sure to include 10 minutes every 80 minutes when you should wander from the pantry to the refrigerator to the pantry before staring forlornly into the freezer and giving up and eating chips. This Monday is a hard one, y'all. Yes. I did type that on the internet. <laughs> so, so was this your way of coping with it? Because again, like I said, some of the things that you put up there were very introspective about how life was treating you. And I don't think if someone would have told you year three in, in college, they would have said, by the way, when you're in your career and finally getting started, we're going to put you in quarantine and everything's going to be locked down. I can't imagine right. how uh, 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 someone of that age understanding how this was going to work. And do you feel that it could have been handled differently or do you feel that you handled it in the best way possible? Oh, my goodness. Um, I know it's a loaded question, but I thought I'd ask. I mean, I think I handled it. I, I handled it the best way I could for myself. And I think everyone handles this situation differently. Um, I knew that I wouldn't do super well if I were entirely alone. Okay. So I made sure that in all stages of my quarantine, I was able to have interactions with real life people every single day. Um, because that was very important for my mental health. Um, and I mean, from that Facebook post, I then did send a fake daily call to about 50 people that I've worked with <laughs> in the theater, um, letting them know how my days were going and giving them suggestions for their own. Um, so, I mean, I, I do try to cope by by finding activities um, to do. And that's that's something that's important. I know. And then there's also been a lot of downtime. I mean, the animal crossing and the cross stitching, those are very real activities um, that I have filled many hours of the day with. Uh, I think what's hardest for me right now in this like new stage um, of quarantine that I'm entering in Pennsylvania is um, adapting my routine here. Because normally when I'm home for the summer, I am very busy. Right. I'm running a theater season. Um, I'm out of my house from, you know, 9am until midnight every day at the theater. So, so I'm trying to figure out what, what that routine will look like, um, and how I, how, how I'll be coping with unemployment, um, during the next, you know, eight weeks. Um, also then looking back on April 5th, day 23, featuring a pineapple shower curtain, Nearly achieved a 90s boy haircut and eyeliner for the first time in two weeks. Did you actually cut your own hair? <laughs> no, it's okay. just growing. <laughs> to the full beaver. We're going to get there. So, um, uh, that, that's the other thing. For theater people, it has to be so difficult because you can't get haircuts. I mean, yeah, and, and you, and especially when you're trying to, to keep a look going and you can't do anything um, <laughs> and you can't do anything to keep it. Uh, the other thing um, I, I find, I find interesting about all this is that we had social media to be able to communicate. Do you think this would have happened 20 years ago if you had been able to communicate in the same way? Do I think... Sorry. Sorry. What do I? <laughs> do you think I, social I, media made it better or worse? Oh, um, I mean, I think for me, it's it's made it immeasurably better in many ways because I have people who are important to me in so many different places. Even my New York friends, there was a point at which I wasn't able to see them because we, you know, were in different 
social bubbles and different quarantine situations. Um, and I had some friends who had coronavirus um, or think that they did. Okay. Getting tested is still a challenge. So, you know, being able to use social media and things like FaceTime and Skype um, and Zoom to interact with my friends, both in Pennsylvania and in New York and around the country, um, has been tremendously important to me. Um, and I think that in some ways, because of having to slow down on my career and and really focus on, on other parts of my life, a lot of those friendships were able to deepen over over this period of time okay. in ways that they wouldn't have otherwise. Um, how do you think your mother and dad dealt with it with you not being home? I mean, I think that might be something that Kelly can speak to almost more than I can since he's been here this whole time. Um, because I know uh, it has to be difficult for a parent whose child is that far away in a situation where they can't control it. Me being a parent, I know that I go nuts when my kid goes to Kentucky and I have no control over it. But again, having a child in a, in a location where you're hearing all this bad news about over and over again. So, Kelly, how yeah. did mom deal with it? A... <laughs> oh, golly. Um, I, well, I think it's a, I think it's a, I mean, our parents dealt with it in, in different situations. I mean, our dad gets up earlier. So usually every morning in the group chat, we'd have a couple of, of news articles about just, just new facts about coronavirus and stuff like that. So his, his attack was information, information, information. Okay. Um, and I mean, my mom's a warrior too. Um, but I mean, I, I think Kristen did a good job, uh, just sort of reporting back a lot about what they were doing to, you know, keep themselves safe. And I think there's sort of a, there's sort of a distance. Like if, if Kristen is six and a half hours away in New York, you know, you kind of just have to, I don't know if you can ever, ever resign yourself to, to trusting that she'll make her own good choices. But I, I think that's, that's sort of the position that you're forced to be in. Right. She's so far away. So. Right. Now I would, I was just curious because um, of having, having people that far away, especially someone in the epicenter. Did, Ke mm -hmm. Kelly, did you feel worried, more worrisome about your sister than say someone you knew in Pittsburgh because she was where she was at? Uh. Eh, not really. <laughs> the heck with she her. She's fine. I don't have to worry about her. I will um, say something that, that Kelly and I would do um, during this is, especially towards the, the second half of it, um, when we had, you know, not seen each other for, for a really long time, is as siblings, sometimes we would just spend long periods of time on the phone, not really talking to each other, just kind of going about our lives. Right. Um, but kind of still feeling that, that closeness or like throwing out a thought every so often. Um, even as he was like sawing something in his house or I was, you know, <laughs> running errands. Um, just, just feeling that connection to, to my family was important. And I talked to my parents almost every day. Um, while I was in quarantine too. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that because again, some of the posts that I saw that um, you were putting up, your mother were putting up, you could tell that there was a connection going on between you guys. But I think the most poignant uh, post you put up was on March 26th and I'm not going to read it. But it's the essay is a good thing. I like it in quarantine and you go through from laughter to sunshine to pictures of people's pets and everything else. And I think when I read that, I'm going, okay, She's dealing this with this in the best way I think anybody can, especially someone who has lost their livelihood, who doesn't know when it's going to come back. Because if it was, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Kristen, I don't think I could have done it. I would have been a, a total wreck because the way you were able to put a spin on it and doing it in a positive way and doing self-reflection, I think is one of the healthiest ways to deal with this. Because I think a lot of people would be going through mental health providers right now trying to get help to deal with some of the things that you were going through. Yeah, I mean, 
and I can only speak to, to my personal experience. And I'm incredibly fortunate to have a, a very supportive family and a very supportive group of friends. And to, you know, while I'm not in a great financial position now to not be in a place where, you know, I have a lot of friends who are contemplating whether this is going to force them to leave the city forever. And right. I think that that is that's a really big thing to grapple with in the midst of everything else that a lot of us are grappling with um, if we've chosen careers in the arts right now. So I was, I think I've been able to deal with it in my own funny, quirky, optimistic way because I'm, I'm very, very fortunate and I don't, I don't want to lose sight of that. Um, even through the things that, you know, have challenged me over this period of time. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to put you on the spot like that, but okay. Yeah, I did. But, um, do you, do you feel that theater will come back as strong as it was whenever it left? Or do you think it's going to be reinvented in a different way? You know, I think it's going to be different and it's going to take a really long time, I think, to rebuild particularly places like Broadway where, you know, investing in a show was high risk already. Right. Um, and now, you know, the risk is extrapolated and increased exponentially. Um, I, I think that, I think that theater in small communities is going to come back. I think that theater in big cities is going to come back. I think it's just a matter of, of time and safety and, you know, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's, you don't need a lot of money or a lot of, you don't need anything but people to tell these stories. You know, you need, you need two minimum, one to be on stage, right. one to be in the audience. Right. So I think, I think this is, this is teaching us a lot about our industry and about ourselves um, as artists. And I think that there will be some great art created in quarantine. And I think that for other people who need this time just to heal, um, that art will be maybe created later. Uh, but I, I don't think that, I don't think that this plague or any other is capable of killing um, an art form that is so meaningful to so many. Do you think that um, because of what happened, um, that with, with the whole pandemic, because I've talked when we again we talked to you at the beginning of this, and now we're talking to you basically in the middle of it. Do you see a bigger appreciation for the art form or for theater now than we did before? Because people now realize what they missed or what they're missing. You know, I can't speak for audience members, but I can say that. The first time I walk into a rehearsal room, again, I'm absolutely going to cry because I have always felt so lucky to do what I do. Okay. And I think that this is is only going to make me feel even more fortunate to to be able to connect with people in the in the special way that I believe theater allows us to connect. So I, I hope so. I hope that when theater comes back, you know, we have audience members in those seats who are as ecstatic as those cast members on stage are going to be. And as those musicians in the orchestra pit are, and as those technicians backstage are going to be to be doing this thing that we all love so much again. Um, right after I talked to you in March, I spoke to another entertainer, by the name of Tony Pace, and he actually does um, shows in nightclubs and theaters, and he's a cruise ship performer. And Tony and I were talking, um, and I brought up that I was did the interview with you the Monday before, before, and we were talking about it, and I asked him the same question, and he said that he doesn't think the audience realized what was going to happen when it was going to go away. That's why you started to see so many performers performing online. And I think in a lot of ways, the performers thought that they were afraid that people were going to forget who they were and how important they were. And I think that mm. I think that's an understatement myself. I mean, I know that a lot of times, especially the the the, uh, the two events that the State Theater did in Uniontown that did online, which were excellent. It made the audience understand how much you guys love what you do. 
And it was done in a way that made us understand that you, you need to do this and you need us to need to be a part of it. And again, we don't realize how much entertainment plays into our lives. That's what's helped, helped a lot of us get through this. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that the power of stories right now could be overstated. <laughs> I mean, for goodness sake, as I said in the beginning of the program, I'm talking to the cameraman who shot uh, Joe Exotic on Tiger King in two <laughs> yeah. weeks. Um, yeah. Th- that program would have never went anywhere if we would have all not been stuck in our houses and had to watch it. <laughs> it's like someone forced us to or something. Um but again, it just goes back to that whole thing, how we make these connections. And uh, Kelly, I know you were working with Brianne Mitchell, um, who we've had on this program multiple times, um, mm-hmm. and doing some stuff with positive news in the area. Um, why did you feel, why did you and her feel that was important to do that? Um, I mean, I think when you're when you're cooped up in a, in a disastrous time um like we are now it's it's very easy to be swallowed up by the bad news that's out there you know there's there's just always you can you can read 500 stories about about the same thing and just kind of get sucked into that all day long especially when you have nothing else to do so i think we were kind of just trying to to break through with with something that was a little different something that was a little more positive um because it's hard to, I don't know. Sometimes it's it's hard to notice. It's hard to notice that stuff unless you're really being pointed to it. So we were trying to just point people to some good things that were that were happening that weren't you know that weren't just the, the same old tiring, exhausting bad news that that's out there. Because I know that, and one of the things that we've been dealing with here, not only um, I mean they've been dealing with it all over the country is what to do for the high school kids, the graduating class of 2020. Yeah. And watching our community come together and embrace these kids by what they did was just downright amazing. And I know you actually filmed their graduation um, last week, correct? I did, yeah. I, uh, I, I filmed for Brownsville's graduation video, and I've also filmed for Beth Center's graduation video. And what did that entail? Um, for Brownsville, they um, they had a separate diploma pickup um, process and ceremony. So I filmed the valedictorian giving a speech, the salutatorian, the class president, the principal, the superintendent, stuff like um, you know people like that giving their speeches, so that there could be pretty much a, a facsimile of a graduation ceremony that they could then watch at the at the Brownsville drive-in. Um, and for Beth Center, they had a socially distant diploma pickup ceremony, like a drive-through graduation, essentially where students would have two cars um, full of, you know, family members, I guess. Um, And the student would get out, pick up their diploma, which was, you know, set on the table by the principal who would then, you know, back away 12 feet. They would pick up their diploma, smile for the picture and get back in the car and drive home. And it was, uh, it was just an interesting process to see how people were, were, still very uh very intent on making the most of, of their graduation ceremony even though it was about 25 seconds long for them yeah. um now one thing what is the one thing you learned when shooting brownsville's graduation the one thing i learned um i was i was trying my best i was i was standing let's uh let's see we, I had the camera set up in front of the stage because they were on the podium and I wanted to be eye level. So I was I was standing on top of a stool with, with a broken leg while my camera was <laughs> propped on top of a table. And uh, I was I was trying to, to be an audience of, of 500 people for those valedictorians and salutatorians. And I was I was really trying my best to feed back to them because I I mean, it's easy to. You know, there are people protesting for haircuts and people protesting right, for right, right. some things that, that are hard to to believe are, are so important. But there are also, you know, legitimate things that are gone that are just, just passing by, especially with something that is that we've, so tied to 
to time and, and cyclical parts of life, like school and graduation yeah. and senior year and stuff like that. And so I, I don't know, sort of deepened my sympathy for, for all of the things that, that are sort of formative in our lives that, that we kind of take for granted that happened in high school and at the end of things. And when you're sort of saying goodbye to childhood and you have like so much time and right. so many events to do that. And, and for these kids, it's, it was just, it was, you know, gone and they didn't even realize it was going until it, it happened. So, well, you went a little bit deeper than I thought you'd go. Cause I would have said, remember <laughs> to make sure your battery packs are charged, but that was all oh, I was going to say. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did learn that too. Yeah. I learned that if you don't shoot something for two months, your batteries die in your camera bag. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that. I'm going, oh, I've (laughs) been there, done that. Mm. And the panic that runs through your mind going, I hope it makes it. I hope so. (laughs) Oh, that was a nightmare. Yeah, no, because it happened immediately. I put my I put my batteries in. I had six or eight fresh batteries in and I I put them in and it was half gone. And I was like, oh, right. Well, I'll switch batteries so that I have a fresh one. And if I end up needing that one on others, at least have a charge in it. And I put in another battery and it was half gone too. And then, you know, the ceremony started and I was, I had been expecting about, about 30 seconds between kids, get out of your car, pick up your diploma, have a picture, get back in the car, let the next person. And it was about two or three minutes between kids. Ouch. And I was, and there were about a hundred kids to get through. And I, I mean, I was panicking. I, Kristen was quarantined down in my office, but there weren't any batteries that she could bring me. And I was like, all right, are these people going to notice if I start filming this on my phone when my camera dies? <laughs> oh, Sorry. It was, it was a high stress environment, but um, the batteries lasted. I, I got all the kids I've edited dress and sent them to the administration. So it seems like it all worked out, but Oh my goodness, I would, Yes, kids. Always make sure your equipment <laughs> is charged and ready to go. Um, no, yes. I've been in that situation multiple times, where the same thing because you mm. make the or you have a battery that drains faster than you thought it was because the battery's going bad, yeah. and you put it in. It's a full mm-hmm. charge. You turn around and it's like oh, half gone, and it's like I can't stop it now because it's recording yeah. and it's a chronological event you can't just stop it yeah i know what that's like it's like an extremely slow train bearing down on you yes (laughs) i had a lot of time to think about it um yeah that is that that's that's a tough situation (laughs) so kelly you're or christian i'm sorry you're coming out of quarantine today or is that tomorrow yes i am moving back into the family homestead um is there gonna be a party a a welcoming are you finally gonna get uh open open arms and everything or (laughs) well it'll be nice to hug someone you know it's been a minute so kelly have you missed your cat have you missed your cat i have it's uh i have a little bit i'm sort of in a in a subconscious i've grown accustomed to his face kind of a way (laughs) just seeing shadows out of the corner of my eye and then it's and then it's not him but my parents have really uh they've really They've really been missing him. My mom is sometimes, I could swear that I heard her talking to him when he wasn't there. Um, to let everybody know. There's also, there's also some. To let everybody know what we're talking about is when Kristen came back, they put her in quarantine. <laughs> she didn't want to be alone. So Kelly was kind enough to let her borrow his cat. <laughs> uh, this is important context. So people don't think that we're insane. Well, hey. <laughs> they've listened to this program they know the host is so anyhow (laughs) but uh no i i really appreciate you guys taking time and being part of the program um i'd love to do this again uh kristen and actually kristen i would love to finally meet you (laughs) i've never had the opportunity everybody else knows her except me but i'd love the opportunity to do that uh, once things get somewhat back to normal and kelly um and Kelly and I have done some stuff through TV. That's why I know Kelly. Um, so mm-hmm. again, hopefully we'll be uh, getting things back to normal here real soon and life can move on. But again, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate you taking time on a Monday night to join me. And uh, again, I'd love to do it uh, sometime in the near future. One other thing, Chris, and I want to ask you before we go, are you guys at the state planning to do another online performance? You know we are. We're gonna we're gonna be doing one this Friday. This for oh, I'm glad I asked. So what yeah. time's that gonna be? 
That'll be at 730, and we'll be posting about it on the state's Facebook page tomorrow. Okay, and I will uh, be sharing that information. Um, Do we know who the performers are? Um, I don't have that list yet. Okay, and that's perfectly fine. That was really enjoyable, and um, I got a real kick seeing my, uh, my, uh, my former office uh <laughs> used as one of the backdrops which is now my son's bedroom but anyhow um but no thank you very much guys for joining me and uh Kristen good luck to you Kelly thank you again and good luck to you and we'll talk to you next time thanks thank so much you. thank you bye bye Online with Bill Alexander talking with Kristen and Kelly Tunney here on the program this evening. Hope you enjoyed it. I had a good time. And uh, talking about what was going on pandemic. Like I said, Kristen and I talked the week that it happened. Actually, the Monday after Pennsylvania went into quarantine. And again, Kelly is the one that volunteered his sister <laughs> sister to do it. But again, it was, uh, again, it was uh, something that I don't think any of us anticipated was going to last this long or be as um, involved as it is. And those of you that are in southwestern Pennsylvania listening to us right now at WMCK.FM, we are going into the green phase on Friday at 12.01, and um, that will be happening here, um, which doesn't mean everything gets back to normal, but it gets a little bit closer because I think the one thing that people are really missing right now, as Kristen said, people getting haircuts. I never thought how important that would be, um, especially for an old guy like me who's losing his hair or it's thinning out, but boy, is it coming back puffy now. And uh, <laughs> it gives you that opportunity to uh, get back to normal somewhat. Uh, coming up here in the next couple of weeks, here's our guest list that's going to be happening on June 8th. Anna Frankel Duval will be on the program. She is also in New York City. She is uh, there during the quarantine. She's also an actress um, who's done some TV and some movies. And she is from the United Kingdom, which is going to be really nice to talk to her about her family and what they're dealing with over um, in the UK. And those of you listening to us there right now, um, if you want to be a part of the program, you can. All you have to do is email me. And... Um, my email address is bill at billalexander.net. Again, that's bill at billalexander.net. And uh, we'll be doing that on the 15th. Jack A. Warren, the uh, camera person for Joe Exotic, Tiger King, will be on the program. We'll be talking about the uh, Netflix series. Then we have Larry Harden, a former DEA agent, will be on June 22nd. And we'll be talking about his life working with the DEA. And then on June 29th, Dickie Goodman's little boy, John Goodman, (laughs) will be on the program. So, folks, thank you very much for joining us this evening. I had a great time, and uh, we will be wrapping things up, but not yet, because we have about, oh, another 30 seconds to go before we can. Um, If you want to find where you can locate me at, all you have to do is go to italknet.com. Again, that's italknet.com. Com. You can also find me at BillAlexander.net, BillAlexander.net, and you can uh, find the program there, and you can also uh, listen to back episodes and watch a few videos that have been produced of the program, and you can also find the radio stations that we are now affiliated with on the iTalkNet radio network. So uh, that's going to wrap it up. Again, on social media, you can find me at um, Facebook at um, online with Bill Alexander. Twitter is at Bill Alexander. And I'm on Instagram and I think it's Bill Alexander Podcast. Um, <laughs> I don't know for sure. I don't use Instagram, but everybody keeps telling me you need to use Instagram. But that's neither here nor there. Guys, I am out of here. You have a great night. We'll talk to you next time here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. 
and every day your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.